Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it's good to be back. It's fantastic to be back. Let's just go straight away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for just for your presence. We thank you for just the, uh, the honor and the, uh, the, the, the privilege of serving you and just also the privilege of being called your sons and daughters, your people, Father. Lord, we are, we are forever grateful for, for the work of the cross, for everything that you've done for us. And we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your word, and we acknowledge the authority of your word. We ask you, Father, that you will pour out your spirit into our hearts once again to permeate everything about us, touch us, Lord, with your truth, because it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come to even a glimpse of what truth that is contained in, in, uh, in your word, Father. It is the thing that will, the only thing that will change us and transform us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. few weeks ago, a few months ago, <laughs> I talked about, about uh, ministry, being an effective ministry of life or life-giving ministry. So uh, let's just read the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, just a short passage. And I when, I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible or persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Just a short, it's powerful. I, uh, die and I, like I said, it's good to be back. I've never seen anyone work so hard like I did. Two weeks, it was just full on. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. But, you know, you can work so hard, but at the same time be inspired because what God, what God does, you know? And just to see the result of, of the word of God in, in the lives of the people. And doing DMS there. And uh, so, you know, we, we talk with people and, uh, and uh, fellowship with them. I really enjoy that. And throughout the whole, the whole conversation, and, and, uh, and as I talk to different people, I realize we as a church, we've gone so far from what God wants us to be. And uh, one of the stories, um, what happened in Indonesia now, there are churches that try to be relevant. So they, every Sunday, they provide, like us, we provide meal. They, they provide, they open the thing, it's the bar pretty much, for people to drink beer, whatever, just to draw people. And it's like, so it's a drinking culture of, of the church because they want to be relevant. 
And there are churches that call, I mean, bad, it's bad English, they call them, uh, call churches, uh, what, what is it? Pastor in style, or whatever it is. So, you know, like, the pastor would wear the latest brand and whatever, just to draw the people into, into, into the church. And I thought, is that what church is all about? So, uh, my title this morning is, because the, this idea is we have to be relevant. So, so my, uh, my, my title this morning, if you, if you want to write it down, is relevant the key to life-giving ministry? <laughs> is relevance, really, it, it, is it the key to effective life-giving ministry? The problem with this, this idea of relevance is that it leads many people to compromise, at some point to water down the message, to reinterpret or reconstruction our message. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's a human thing, you know, it's, it's a human nature. We try to, yeah, to be relevant to people. And uh, as I looked at the scripture, I, I noticed Paul, in a way, sort of went that way a little bit. The relevant, the the uh, this 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 way to be to be relevant with the people. And a good example, not, it doesn't say completely, but I, I can see where he was going. If you look at the uh, the. the the story in Acts chapter 17 when Paul was in Athens and uh, he started to preach. And it says in the description of people in Athens is that in Acts chapter 17 verse 21, it says that all Athenians and foreigners who live there spend their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. <laughs> That's them. They like philosophies. And in verse 19, it says, Paul was brought to this place called Areopagus, where people, it's almost like a, a Jew, uh, council of, of law and justice and all those things. It's a hill on which uh, started the highest governmental council and later a judicial court. And the people, when, when they heard him, they said, we, we may know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. And verse 20 says, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears. So they like talking about, about philosophies and all kinds of ideas. And when they listen to Paul talk about the gospel, it's like, this is kind of strange ideas. Okay, we want to listen more about this stuff. And then in verse 22, 23, you know, up to, all the way to... Uh, 28, Paul preached what I would call a palatable and politi politically correct sermon. <laughs> in verse 22, he said, Men of Athens, I see in every, that in every way you are very religious. So he's sort of very user-friendly sort of thing. I can see you're very religious. Verse 23, as I walk around seeing your object of worship, I found an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. That would be the beginning of his, it's almost like he took his cue from there. 
And he started preaching, talking about creation, all those things. And then in verse 28, he then quoted not the scripture, but their poets. <laughs> he said, yeah, just like one of your poets says, we are his offerings. Fantastic. But the result of his somewhat try to be relevant with the crowd, by the time he mentioned the resurrection of the dead, some sneered at him, while others said, yeah, we want to hear you again on this subject. Interesting. Is that the result of our preaching that we want? And in verse 34, it says, and a few men became followers. I could hardly say that's a kind of revival proportion as we see in Samaria and other places. So it doesn't look like an amazing meeting. Now here's the thing. If you read that, that story, immediately after the, this event, he went to Corinth. And when he arrived there, that night, okay, so he, he, he preached this sermon, sort of relevant, politically correct sermon. That night he went straight away to Corinth, and, and that night Jesus visited him in, in, uh, in verse 18, the next, uh, the next chapter, which is chapter, or in chapter 18, verse 9, Jesus visited him and said to him, don't be afraid, Paul, for I am with you. So obviously he was in fear and trembling after that. It's like he wasn't sure what was going on. If that, that's how it seems. So this background then should give you and I an accurate feel of the scripture we just read. Let's read that scripture again. He said, and I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech of wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. It was as if he learned something from his past, just previous experience. That didn't work, but this is what I'm going to do. That didn't seem to work, did it? So I'm going to do this. For I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Can you see that? That's why Jesus visited him. Don't be afraid, Paul. And my speech and my message were not in plausible or persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power. Why? So that your faith it's not going to rest in my wisdom or man's wisdom, but in the power of God. I think, I think he learned the lesson. <laughs> that's my interpretation, but that's pretty obvious. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> in the previous passage of this scripture that we just read in chapter 1, verse 22, Paul presented the gospel, he said, for, the, for Jews demand signs, they, they, they demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, 
But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and nonsense or folly to the Greeks. So what Paul is saying is this. We try to be relevant to the world, but our very message is, it just doesn't make sense to, to the Greeks. And it's a stumbling block. It will never be relevant. Christ crucified its stupidity to the world. Try to be relevant, it's not going to happen. But I want to present something to you here. While the very message, the very essence of our message is it's irrelevant, it's offensive, like Paul said, and politically incorrect, because especially nowadays, to, to say Jesus is the only one, people say, no, that's very politically incorrect. Like, there can't be just one religion. To the point that people say, well, Jesus is not the only one. And yet Jesus said, I'm the only one. <laughs> so, this message that is irrelevant, offensive, and politically incorrect the reality is this message is presented in the book of Acts and some of the mark of this message as presented in the book of Acts is a, it says in chapter 6 verse 7 this politically incorrect irrelevant offensive message increased the word increased in chapter 6 verse 7 while it is irrelevant and politically incorrect and offensive, in chapter 12, it's it multiplied. <laughs> yes, it is, it is irrelevant, offensive, politically incorrect. Chapter 13, verse 49, it says, it spread. This is the last one I love. <laughs> This irrelevant, offensive, politically incorrect message in chapter 19, verse 20, it says, it prevailed mightily. <laughs> I'd rather be prevailing than relevant, don't you think? <laughs> prevailed mightily. Now, I want to give you a homework. Study the, the, the Acts chapter 19. It's the story of what happened in Ephesus. Okay, I'll give you the background. Ephesus is the largest, third largest city in the uh, Roman Empire, ranked number three behind Rome and Athens. It is regarded as the first and greatest metropolis in Asia, of Asia. Estimated population between 200 to 250,000 people. Commercially, the largest trading center in Asia Minor. Now listen to this. A city of many religions and cults. It is the center of the study of the practice of magic. Wow. The city that is most hospitable to magicians, sorcerers, and charlatans of all sorts. 
sounds like a very dark city. With all that variance of demographic, try to be relevant there. Come on, lots of luck. It is a city when they worship, where they worship Diana or another, another uh, language, uh, word for it is Artemis. It is considered, Diana is considered as the legitimate wife of Ephesus. She is the protector and the nourisher of the city. She is considered a supremely powerful de deity and could therefore exercise her power for the benefit of those devoted to, to her in, in times of uh, opposing power and spirits. But here's the thing. In the midst of this darkness, crazy place, it is described in chapter 19 where the power of God was unstoppable. As a matter of fact, in verse 11 and 12 in chapter 19, it says where extraordinary miracles worked through Paul's hands. Interesting. Where it says aprons and his handkerchief will be sent up and people got healed. Isn't that crazy? Extraordinary miracles. In this dark city. To the point that this, this thing called the name of Jesus was so powerful and the message was so powerfully delivered, some people tried to jump on the bandwagon using the name of Jesus. They're the uh, Jewish people. Uh, <laughs> so let's try to sort of, uh, you know, emulate what, what Paul was doing in verse 13 to 16. And then they tried to cast out demon on this guy who was possessed, and they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached. So obviously they had no relationship with Jesus just because Paul preached. Okay, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached, come out. The demon did come out. But he came out to attack them. <laughs> and he said, he prevailed over them, beat them up, stripped them naked, and they ran, ran away. I can call it, they ran for cover. <laughs> they ran away naked. And in verse 17, and fear fell on them all, and the name of Jesus was exalted. <laughs> Nothing relevant about that. It's just powerful. I can say, Paul, right there, if you read the story further, he, he, he did what this guy, uh, a big evangelist in the 80s and 90s, uh, called Ranhat Bonke. His favorite saying is, I am plundering hell and popular heaven. <laughs> Read further in verse 18. Acts 19 verse 18. He said, many of those who believe now came and openly confessed what they had done. 
Verse 19, and a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 pieces of silver, the value of all the stuff that they were burning. Do you know how much money that is? I did my, 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 my calculation. According to tradition, one piece of silver is one day wage. So 50,000 pieces of silver is like 50,000 days of wage. <laughs> As I did my calculation, is the annual income of 140 people. Now, if I bring that value here now, 140 people value uh, annual income, say I just bring the lower denomination, Say if your wage is $40,000 per year, 140 people, that's $5.6 million value of things being burned publicly. Wow. $5.6 million as the result of these irrelevant (laughs) offenses politically incorrect message. This is what I think. As a church, we need to go beyond relevance. But we're going to have to preach the word that would increase, multiply, spread and prevail mightily. <laughs> we came, we were doing DMS, of course. They, uh, as we were doing DMS, we walked in there, we came up with, there are all kinds of stuff going, going on that, you know, and uh, where Dai had to, <laughs> I've never seen her work so hard, she had to actually reconfigure and just by the, just on the spare of the moment, she had to flow with the Holy Spirit because the misorganization and all kinds of stuff where she had to change the whole thing. But I've never seen DMS going so well. Like, she, I don't know whether she agrees with me, but I would say we've done DMS since 2004 until today. That was the best DMS I've ever seen anywhere. And that's the best time I've seen Diane preach. And on top of that, because, you know, the Jakarta Life, we got CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network. They have to come to DMS. That's part of their contract in, as, a, as employees, you know, in, the, in, in, in CBN. But many of them, they're, they're Protestant, they're Catholics. So they, this whole charismatic, whatever, Pentecostal thing, they, they're unsure about it. And it's like, who is this Diane, you know, because they knew um, employees. So they, they resisted that, and so they missed two nights, didn't they? So two whole days. Yeah, they missed two whole days. So the, the boss was, the two bosses, the, um, the CEO and the two IC just really upset. So like, you know, these guys, okay, they're going to lose their job. So, so Diane tried to, to calm, the, to calm the, the two down. So like Diane said, listen. 
Because it's ministry also. You can't just make people do things, even though it's in a contract, but the goal is the transformation of the people, not ticking the box, right? So Dai was really pastoral. I've never seen her be so <laughs> diplomatic <laughs> and so pastoral in the whole thing. So anyway, but the result is, yeah, <laughs> the result is we were planning to have two days break because two weeks full on. So in between that, we, we were planning to have two days break so you know, we can catch our breath. Instead, those two days were used to provide special DMS for these two people, you know, to make up lessons for 12 people. So we were exhausted. And plus, because there was no interpreter, I had to preach in Indonesian. Full on, like, she, I've never seen, like, seen her doing Indonesian so well. Like, wow, I was serious, like. And so these guys, they ended up going through the whole of the DMS. See, when you move by the Holy Spirit uncompromisingly, even the denominational, the denominational issues will be resolved. Just go with the power of the Holy Spirit. I was, it, was, it was powerful. And my thing is, as I was sitting there, and we walked away from that thing realizing we've just deposited a powerful word of God in people's lives. And I, and I, and I said to Dai, well, we, Dai was saying this, we're going to do this around the world. And I said, well, it has to be, okay, but it doesn't matter where we go, DMS, the word of God needs to be preached. And from there, I was so burdened by this whole thing, convinced about the word of God spreading, prevailing, multiplying, and increase. I said to Dai, I would love to do DMS 2, where we actually teach the Word of God really, like really, really, really seriously. But here's the thing. We're not going to do that just for people just to have be, to, to fill their heads with knowledge. That's not going to do anything. Why? Because the goal is for the word of God to increase, multiply, and prevail. So, the answer to that, we're definitely going to do. The next thing is, I'm going to need your help in this, all you guys, your brain. How that going to happen? But I'm going to spend some time to really study how we're going to do it, study the Word of God in a certain level there. I'm going to impart that to people who actually are going to influence other people, people who actually in touch with other people. I, I'm, I'm not going to teach you if you're just going to leave it, okay, I just want to know more. No, that's not good enough. The work of the Word of God needs to have impact in other people's lives. It can't just stay with you. So my thing is, I want to present something to the church. As I, both Dai and I, we're going to focus on, on spending time in the Word of God where we teach some, particularly those in leadership and those involved in ministry, where the Word's going to multiply. I think it's time. And I think you guys need to pray. Okay, God, okay, that's it. I'm going to multiply what I have in me that I want to see the impact on other people's lives by the Word of God.
What do you guys think? It's not about being relevant, but going to be impactful. Yeah? Impactful. Just like in Ephesus. Nothing relevant about that. It's just power. Let's all stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand up. Let's make a commitment as member lifers. I want you to pray after me. Can I have the measles, please? I always forget that part. Let's all pray. Pray after me. Dear Heavenly Father, come on, let's say it. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I make a commitment to submit myself under the authority of the Word of God. And I will make it my responsibility to have the Word of God prevail in my life, multiply, increase, and spread. And out of that, it will flow out of my life and touch many lives because I want the Word of God to spread, to spread, multiply, multiply increase, increase, and prevail in the city. Thank you, Father. Let's all worship God. Holy, holy, holy.